Since his creation by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster in the 1930s, the Man of Steel has captured the imaginations of generations. Aspects of his character have shifted over the years, but few iterations stand out more than this heartfelt appeal to the strength of the human spirit. This time on Lost in the Long Boxes, we'll take a look at Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Welcome back to Lost in the Long Boxes. I'm your host, Ryan, and uh, once again, this episode's going to be about All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison, and uh, illustrated by Frank Quitely and inked by Jamie Grant. Uh, the original pitch for the series uh, was to return Superman to his timeless, essential elements after decades and decades of various bizarre sort of twists and turns for the character, and the series ran for three years from November of 2005 to October of 2008. Morrison and DC editor Dan Raspler uh, conceived many of the, uh, the themes and kind of like core principles that would evolve eventually into All-Star Superman, originally as Superman Now, which they intended to be a total update to the Superman mythos with a collection of timeless Superman issues that would be relevant and relatable to a modern audience without rehashing any origin stories or anything like that, and rather kind of just folding all of the classic Superman tropes into the character and giving them a new modern spin as well. This would serve to tie together Superman's lengthy history uh, rather than reboot him or anything like that and sort of uh, tie the room together, so to speak. Morrison and Raspler were inspired to create the series uh, when they were unsuccessfully brainstorming ideas outside of a San Diego Comic-Con, when they had what Morrison later referred to as a shamanic encounter with a man dressed as Superman that was attending the convention. Morrison would later relate that uh, he was perched with one knee drawn up, chin resting on his arms. He looked totally relaxed, and I suddenly realized this was how Superman would sit. He wouldn't puff out his chest or posture heroically. He would be totally chilled. If nothing can hurt you, you can afford to be cool. A man like Superman would never have to tense against the cold, never have to flinch in the face of a blow. He would be completely laid back, untense. With this image of Superman relaxing on a cloud, looking out for all of us in my head, I rushed back to my hotel room and filled dozens of pages of my notebook with notes and drawings. So, the idea that would become All-Star Superman was then pitched in 1998 to DC by Mark Millar, Mark Wade, and Tom Payer, and this creative team, along with Morrison, of course, would proceed to take a trip down memory lane, as it were, uh, sifting through some 15 years of various reboots and story arcs of Superman. It became clear fairly soon after that what they needed to be doing, rather than giving yet another new spin to the Superman mythos, was a find-a-way find a synthesis and cohesion that would be inclusive of the strongest and longest-running of the various tropes associated with the character. It was later stated that uh, the Superman relaunch were selling bucks the trend of sweeping aside the work done by those who came immediately before. Unlike the cosmic reset revamps all too prevalent in current comics, our new Superman approach is an honest attempt to synthesize the best of all previous eras. 
Our intention is to honor each of Superman's various interpretations and to use internal story logic as our launching pad for a reimagined, streamlined 21st century Man of Steel. The cosmic reset notion has been replaced by a policy of include and transcend with regard to past continuity. Our intention is to restore Superman to his preeminent place as the greatest superhero of all. And I realize that I've kind of been railing on about this, but but that is a very important piece of the all-star Superman story. Uh, These guys didn't seek out by any means to cast aside any of the seemingly outdated aspects of Superman or whatever, but rather to just update and streamline everything into, you know, one cohesive story. As is pointed out previously, the whole idea of a cosmic reset that comic book companies have kind of always done, to be fair, often fails to make the character fresh and really just tends to alienate older readers, seemingly with the goal of roping in new ones. I'm not a marketing person for any of the big comic book labels, but I can I can guess that that sort of model isn't really very profitable, uh, cost-effective, or even sensible, based on the fact that just in the last 10 years, we've seen the big two, Marvel and DC, just assail us with reboot after reboot after reboot, and readership and sales really kind of uh, just breaking even for these companies. This is, of course, uh, this isn't, of course, to take into account the uh, profits generated by either DC or Marvel's cinematic universes, however. Anyhow, I digress. So initially, the project is greenlit by DC, but it's later turned down, much to Morrison's chagrin, who would later recount that he did not expect to be doing any further work on Superman thereafter. But thankfully, after completing his new X-Men run for Marvel, he was contacted by DC's vice president, Dan Didio, and asked if he'd like to come do a Superman book for DC with an artist of his choosing. This would work out perfectly for Morrison because he'd already intended to return to DC with his Seven Soldier series, which we may or may not do an episode about at some point. I'm a big fan of Morrison, but we're, we're already two episodes into our second season, and, and both have been about Morrison titles, so I'm inclined to do maybe a, you know shift gears here and, and keep things fresh versus having a whole season devoted to one creator. Uh, though possibly in the future, that's also a route we could go. I, I, I don't know. Uh, what do you think? You know, shoot me an email at lostinthelongboxes at gmail.com and uh, let me know your thoughts on that. Anyhow, uh, so, so yeah, basically the intention here, once again, for Morrison is to modernize Superman, but to maintain all of the aspects of his mythos that make him Superman. This is, of course, including his vast array of powers, his somewhat bizarre gallery of uh, friends and foes and his 50-plus years of adventures from which to draw all of these characters and story arcs. One of the most prevalent Superman tropes to be explored in the all-star Superman is the relationship between Clark Kent, who most of you will know as the civilian identity of Superman, and Superman. Historically, it's generally been a back and forth as to which of the two is the disguise and which is the true persona, and Morrison would later recount that Superman is an act. Clark Kent in Metropolis is also an act. There are actually two Clark Kents. At least one is a disguise, a bumbling, awkward mask for Superman. The other is the confident, strong, good-hearted Clark Kent who was raised by a surrogate ma and pa in Kansas and knows how to drive a tractor. I think he's the most real of all. This idea that there's more to Superman than just mild-mannered Clark Kent and his costumed alter ego and rather Superman is, and this is clearly a nod to the original goal of Superman now, uh, a fusion of all three concepts. 
And that fusion serves to really define just what Superman's really all about. You can't have one without the other two because all three pieces serve to perfectly shape this iconic imagery. Whereas in reality, you know, someone with these abilities, uh, the abilities that Superman possesses, uh, even one of an initially altruistic mindset would undoubtedly seek to assert some sort of dominance over others with the belief that his or her abilities entitled her to a position of leadership. But Superman doesn't care about any of that. At one point, we see Clark Kent returning home to his parents' farm, and, and he's seemingly uh, in his element, just helping his father you know, with farm work. Morrison uses this time as a vehicle to show us the cornerstones of Clark Kent's rearing, as his father is quite clear with him that he can only help if he doesn't use his powers. Of course, because Clark's powers are very much a part of him, restraining himself is no easy task, but he does try to. And he tries to because his father has always firmly instilled that sense of hard work into Clark that emphasizes trial and labor and eschews shortcuts. Hard work needs to be hard. Clark Kent is a working-class farm boy, and he's a bumbling oafish reporter, and those two Clark Kents serve to shape the ambitions and actions of Superman. This is, of course, in contrast to previous iterations of Superman, and, and they've done this with a ton of superheroes over the years, uh, where it's, it's sort of toyed with that the civilian identity of said hero is, is actually a disguise for their superhero identity or whatever. And not to be disparaging of that concept or anything, but with All-Star Superman, Morrison really pushes that notion away, or at least attempts to mitigate it and focus rightfully on the humanistic aspects of the character that have allowed the character to stay so strongly rooted in the public consciousness for 50-plus years now. All-Star Superman reminds us why we love Superman, and that's not because we believe in him. No, it's because no matter what, he believes in us, even though there's really no reason for him to. Over the course of All-Star Superman, we constantly see the titular character being distracted from the main story arc by the plights of regular people ranging from a young boy about to be crushed by a falling object to a young girl's attempt at suicide. These moments aren't washed over, however, or, or used as some sort of a trope to emphasize Superman's uncanny abilities. Uh, these moments are, if anything, the true hallmarks of the series and serve to give Superman a chance to show us how important we are. A particularly moving moment, the suicide attempt scene, shows a, a young girl named Regan standing on a skyscraper rooftop prepared to fling herself uh, you know, off of it. Superman, dealing uh, with the events of the main story, happens to overhear a therapist talking to his patient, Regan, who is uh, rather later revealed to be Regan, and apologizing because he's going to be late. Superman immediately flies to the girl, appearing behind her just before she steps forward and tells her that she is stronger than she thinks she is before embracing her. Frank Quayley's uh, illustration style really shines here, I think, and uh, utilizing lines of perspective, he really seizes the day as the entire interaction doesn't serve to highlight Superman's grandeur, but rather the strength and courage this young girl has. Rather than her being uh, you know, weak or whatever for attempting to commit suicide, we're dizzyingly shown her strength in spite of the overwhelming fear and anxiety that she's experiencing. Uh, this act, you know, her resigning herself to suicide, comes from a place of exhaustion rather than a place of cowardice. Time and time again throughout Morrison's All-Star Superman run, we see these very tasteful and very inspiring moments 
that use Superman as a vehicle to show us the strength of the human spirit. In many ways, that theme takes center stage. This, on top of everything else, reinforces that theme that Superman is so cool because he doesn't think he's cool. He can do literally anything, and all he cares about is us. That's it. Now, with All-Star Superman, that isn't to say that Superman is depicted as some sort of messianic figure or anything like that. He's not perfect, but his imperfections and flaws, nodding to the classic Superman iterations, are expressed in his failing to understand the human condition and his having to oftentimes lie to his loved ones in order to protect them. One could very well argue that the bumbling reporter Clark Kent is very much indicative of this. That Clark is there to shield Superman's closest friends from the ramifications of his ongoing battle against injustice. I would personally argue that All-Star Superman really shows us that his greatest failing, however, is his greatest strength. Everything he does, he does because he loves humanity, and that includes attempting to be like us, which he largely fails to do so. While he can certainly get by on the farm with his parents or hanging out with his friends back home in Smallville, life in the big city and the Byzantine politics of working as a reporter are largely lost on him, and he relies on his longtime love interest Lois Lane to keep him grounded. Lane, in contrast to Superman, we see is not overburdened with the same sort of naivety as Superman, and is instead driven by her suspicious and inquisitive nature. This isn't necessarily a good or bad thing, and rather it's shown extensively that that very nature, when met with Superman's idealism, tends to come to a perfect middle ground that leaves both better people every time. Lois Lane, in a sense, serves largely as a metaphor for Superman's uh, somewhat contentious relationship with the complex nature of humanity. All-Star Superman further addresses the classic, uh, well, Superman can do anything, so what's the point, argument, uh, using Lex Luthor as sort of an almost Randian symbol of determinism, who feels spurned by the fact that no matter how much he tries, he'll never be Superman's equal. Morrison takes this ongoing rebuttal to Superman and compounds it into an almost trollish uh, troll in the sense of like you're uh, the kind of guys that are, you know, railing on uh, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel movie or whatever. Kind of a trollish Lex Luthor who has lost touch with rationality and become entirely obsessed with killing Superman at all costs. Going so far in the introductory first issue to attempt to sabotage a scientific vessel that is studying the sun by replacing one of its crew with a genetically engineered living bomb. This bomb is operated by Lex Luthor remotely, and uh, Superman arrives to thwart Lex's, uh, Lex's living bomb and everything, and Lex's final words uh, via this remotely operated living bomb are of protest. This living bomb is being denied the right to fulfill its purpose by Superman. Yet, of course, its only real purpose is destruction. I have to think that this opening scene, in so many ways, really reinforces this idea right out of the gate, that this is a story about cynicism and disappointment versus idealism and hope. This scene also serves to ground the story by establishing the Icarian bittersweet backdrop as Superman finds his direct exposure to the sun leads to his learning that he is in fact dying, having quite literally flown too close to the sun, which has summarily overloaded his body's cells with solar energy. Nonetheless, this revelation merely serves to motivate Superman to work even harder to do the most good he possibly can before his eventual demise. 
A beautiful testament to the human condition, I definitely suggest giving All-Star Superman a read if you haven't already. Uh, there's also a DC animated film too, which I haven't seen, but I've been told it's really, really quite good. So if you don't have the attention span to read the whole series, maybe consider giving that a watch. Now before we wrap up the episode, I do have a couple of uh, brief announcements to make, and the first of which really only concerns people that live in or around the New England area or plan on being in this area uh, towards the end of, uh, of May. That's, that's May 2019. On May 26th, we do have the Western Massachusetts Comic Book Show coming up, and that's being hosted by Hawks and Reed Performing Arts Center, which is located at 289 Main Street in Greenfield, Mass. And that's on a Sunday, and it's running from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Once again, that's on May 26th, and it'll be featuring a number of uh, a number of local uh, of local illustrators and everything. Uh, including uh, Jim Lawson of, uh, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fame. And that should be a lot of fun. The admission's going to be $5. I, uh, I plan on being in attendance. I'll be handing out flyers for the podcast and probably just, uh, probably just mainly being there as a spectator. I'm certainly not going to be presenting or anything like that, and I don't have any, uh, I don't have any cool merch or anything yet to be uh, giving away, though I... Uh, I have considered maybe getting stickers and stuff like that in the future, which uh, which kind of leads me to the uh, to the next announcement, which is that we have uh, we finally relented and moved uh, moved Lost in the Long Boxes in more of a uh, a monetary direction slightly. We are now on Patreon, and 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 once again, I uh, I, I am not. I am not by any means uh, in love with the idea of approaching the show as a uh, as like a money making thing or whatever. I uh, it took me forever. It took me forever to relent and uh, and start doing the uh, the endorsements and stuff. If you've noticed, I've been incorporating some of the uh, endorsement segments into episodes. My uh, my support staff, if you will, has sort of twisted my arm and pushed me in that direction and. And as of recently, I've, I've finally, uh, I finally backed down and, and made a Patreon. That's at uh, patreon.com slash lostinthelongboxes. I have not worked out what the, uh, what the tiers or whatever are going to be. So I, I, can't, I can't give you any sort of uh, idea as to what you're going to be getting, depending on how much money you're willing to, uh, to donate or whatever. But suffice to say, any, uh, any little bit helps. Or, or none at all. Just enjoy the show. I'm, uh, I'm certainly not uh, relying on this as any sort of like income source or anything like that. I just really enjoy doing the show, and I really enjoy, you know, reading comic books, researching comic books, and and talking about them uh, once a week and everything. So, uh, yeah, if you have uh, if you have a couple extra bucks you can donate each month, I'd love it. If you don't, it's really no big deal. So anyway, that's uh, that's the episode for this week. I want to thank you so so much for listening. I'm Ryan. This is Lost in the Long Boxes, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah.